it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian kilmeade appreciate you being here everybody it's the brian kilmeade show uh we've had a busy week i feel like it's been a really busy week wherever you are if you're out in california it's been a wet week a flood uh, ravaged week if you're out by the border you, you see you got a lot of attention there it's been overwhelmed all those towns would never be the same uh, and if uh, you're in Washington, D.C., you've been rocked, especially if you're a Democrat about what's going on today. The president's going to have a press here to say, I got inflation going down in the right direction. But he's not mentioning well, some other things that are going on. Uh, and that is, do you know the average credit card rate? Charles, uh, Charles just told me this. Um, Charles just came up to me and said, do you realize the credit card rate? So if you have a credit card out there, it's now 22%. That's made the highest in the history of our country. On average, 22%. So if you think about it, if you put anything on your credit card and you're paying, you're paying more and more and getting absolutely nowhere. In fact, people are going to start walking away from this soon. And we got to get uh, we got to get clear on whether we're in a pandemic or not. Uh, the president's still saying it's an emergency time, and we got to continue to forgive student loans. Uh, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is a migrant hotel. This is, we don't have any guests anymore. That is uh, Felipe Rodriguez. Uh, ungrateful and costly is the only way to describe what is happening with the illegal immigrants living in the sanctuary cities like New York City who get a room, they get bored, and now we find out uh, that they throw out their food and do all types of horrible things uh, in stairwells as well as uh, get drunk and wreck the place. Do we look dumber every single day that we have to take our, tax, take our taxpayer dollars and have these sanctuary cities? Number two. Well, now that uh, the system is up and running, our primary focus is to determine that root cause. And I've directed FAA to figure out exactly how this happened, uh, the timeline piece by piece. Yeah, that'll be that'll go well. We have no FAA director, but I don't want to slow you down, Mayor Pete. Buddha judge. What a failure. Budum, mediocre former South Bend mayor Pete Buttigieg records another transportation fail as the secretary, uh, as secretary of transportation, an entire country's air safety system gets grounded. And once again, he has no idea how it happened or if it will happen again. We'll examine his terrible report card. Number one. There's a reason why we have classification of documents. We ought to be briefed what were in these documents that then-Vice President Biden had. I still am waiting on the briefing on the Mar-a-Lago documents. That is Democratic Senator Mark Warner. Now we all should be concerned. A second set of classified files found in another private office of the president announced by NBC on Wednesday. Where were they found and what did they contain and how much more is out there and how does it impact the Mar-a-Lago investigation? I'm very interested to see what Jonathan Turley says about that, law professor at GW, uh, George Washington University, Fox News contributor. Jonathan, welcome back. Were you surprised? I was not that surprised that a second tranche was found somewhere. I just feel as though there's a plan here, and I just can't quite figure out what it is uh, with the Biden team. Well, it's not surprising in the sense that you know what the president said was that he was totally surprised. Well, that indicates that you don't really have much of a system in place. I mean, this is the type of uh, negligence that can produce 
uh, mishandling of classified uh, material. Now, we don't know who's responsible for that negligence. We'll find out soon enough. But there's a lot of questions here that the president just isn't answering. It's not enough to say, I was surprised. I mean, he said, my lawyers told me not to ask about what the documents are. Well, that makes no sense at all. I mean, because the FBI has two jobs. They have to secure what documents are out there and then find out if they were compromised. He's the key witness. I mean, if he has information where he says, yeah, I remember those documents or I requested those documents, it helps them trace in this sort of reverse engineering where the documents have been, why they ended up in one place or another. But it gets actually more problematic than that. Because if you look at the date on the lease uh, for the Penn Biden Center office, that didn't open until over a year, almost two years after Biden left office. Previously, he had another office with the University of Pennsylvania. That indicates that this is not some one and done problem. It, 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 these documents may well have been moved repeatedly, meaning that a greater number of people may have had access to them. I never thought about that. Uh, I, I thought they might have been found in his house. They didn't tell us exactly where. Number two is, Jonathan, you may, and if I say something and it's already been concluded and I missed a, a wrinkle to this, let me know. What made them go to the closet that day? Why was it lawyers to go to the closet and not the pool boy or your intern? You're cleaning out a closet. That's where you usually call your friends and just say clean out a closet. And, and number three is, um, if these documents are labeled at the highest classification, why wouldn't he want to know him? And if he said something to the effect of, I'm doing my memoir, I wanted to be able to get the Ukraine, Iran, and UK story right, and I didn't return him. But why would that be in the mix? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, one of the, I wrote a column earlier that one explanation of why these documents were there was that Biden was actually working on a book that discussed his work in Ukraine and these other country. So that's one explanation why he had asked for documents. But then that raises the question of an archival record. Usually when a vice president or president leaves office, they formally list what documents are being removed. They, these are requested and then packed and then recorded. So by saying that he's not, he, he, his lawyers have told him not even to ask what the documents are, it gets Biden out of the loop. He doesn't have to answer obvious questions. Like, did you request Ukrainian documents uh, be shipped out of the, uh, the executive branch when you left as vice president? So the, the, his citing legal advice is transparently uh, opportunistic. That is, he's, he's, he's clearly using this so that he can avoid answering basic and needed questions. These are the questions investigators need to know. He's the president of the United States. It's not his personal legal status that should drive his decisions. He's supposed to be protecting the national security of the United States. So I want to bring you to something you tweeted out uh, today about an exchange with with the press secretary, who's always unprepared, intentionally or not, never has the right answer, always directs you to another agency, and many times the wrong agency. But listen to this with Ed O'Keefe of CBS. Cut five. What I can tell you is that I'm not going to go beyond what the president laid out. Well, we're going to ask them because that's our job. I understand, so and, we, and my job is to answer your so questions. So here we go. Let's go. We ask this is because on, like, day two of this administration, when he swore all of you in, the president said, quote, I'm going to make mistakes. Um, when I make them, I'll acknowledge them, and I'll tell you. 
and I'll need your help to help me correct them. So you're the one here yeah, talking to us about this. That's why we're asking you. So let's just remember that. We don't need we don't need to have this. We work very well together. We do. I don't we don't need to have this kind of confrontation. You think this was telling? Yeah, it is because you know I've been many of us have complained that you know the media um, in the United States has really had a significant change in the last few years. I mean, it, it has acted more like a state media. In fact, for those of us on the on the legal side. Much of our protections against censorship was with this model of a government, you know, ministry of information. In the last few years, we've seen that that's really not necessary, that you can have a sort of state media by consent rather than coercion. And so the complaint has been that reporters often just act like circus seals, bouncing balls on their nose that are tossed by yeah. the White House. Well, this is a moment where the ball dropped. And Ed said, oh, for the love of God, you've got to answer some questions. And the question is whether more journalists are going to say, this is getting embarrassing. I mean, we, we, we can't go home at night and say that we're journalists uh, when we're cleaning up again after the elephants. You know, it, it, it's, you know it, 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 there gets a point of just personal pride. When a journalist has got to ask a question, uh, but what was telling about her answer is it's her shock. You know, the, the, you expect this from Fox, maybe Wall Street Journal, maybe the New York Post, but here was a CBS journalist who was breaking ranks. Yeah, uh, and and they did get other correct questions. I also thought it was significant that he got those questions in Mexico from a non-Fox reporter. And for three straight days, what about these documents? They didn't like it with 10 documents. We don't know how many other classified documents and how much more we're going to dig out. He's got a library in Delaware named after him, strangely. We know that Anthony Blinken, the former Secretary of State, had a role in the Biden Center. Michael Carpenter was, had a role in the Biden Center. He has now got a key position as U.S. ambassador over in Europe. Juan Sebastian Gonzalez, a senior fellow at the Biden Center, he is now with the White House with a significant position. So why are they closing this up if it's such a, it's a, such a wellspring of talent? And I have the other thing. We we got to start looking into why China and the and Pennsylvania uh, University of Pennsylvania have such an affinity for each other. Since the Biden Penn Biden Center opened, thirty million dollars has been donated by China, unnamed sources in China towards it. Why don't we know about that? And how many other colleges have sacrificed themselves for Chinese money? Well, first of all, I resent as an academic that no foreign country has tried to buy me off. How and, dare they? Um, I, I just want to note, I just want to note, I'm available and I come cheaper than a million. Yeah, but, but you have integrity, uh, so they're not going to try. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting is he received a million dollars from the University of Pennsylvania for a relatively small number of appearances. Um, and the university, pre university president that signed off on that deal was then given an ambassadorship. And part of the reason I think this is this this classified document thing is so discomforting is really sort of two reasons. One is I think Democrats are more worried about the loss of clarity than the crime. That is, they just lost the clarity that they've been relying upon for Mar-a-Lago. For Mar-a-Lago, right? But then second, you know, um, the problem with this particular scandal is because it involves the Penn Center. Because what we've seen in a lot of these scandals, including the influence peddling scandal with Hunter Biden is that it really has shown the public what the sort of underbelly of Washington looks like. All of these people are connected. They all benefit from these things. The names you just listed off, Brian, 
are typical of Beltway insiders. And so what you find is when you lift up uh, the rug, you find a lot of the same names that played roles in getting money to the Bidens, protecting the Bidens. And they were then given these lucrative jobs. So when you look at what happens next, so we know this, November 2nd, these documents discovered and reported to the attorney general. He turns around to the U, uh, to a U.S. attorney appointed by Trump, but Trump was trying to fire him, and, he's, and every Democrat wanted to keep him in power in Chicago. So he has to look through those documents. All right, so November 2nd, you know about it. November 8th goes by. That was a midterm. She didn't announce it. And then we know that they still went ahead November 18th and got a special prosecutor to look into the Mar-a-Lago claims and dragged him out of The Hague to do it. So you know that he didn't care about being looked at as a hypocrite, uh, meaning the Attorney General Garland. And he didn't tell us, Jonathan, I'm not sure if you think he's obligated to. I thought he should. He didn't tell us. It was found out by CBS. So CBS comes out with that story. Everybody gets alerted on their phones. And then NBC has the next story about a second wave. Do you believe there's a chance, we don't know for sure, that this was orchestrated because something worse could be coming or they're trying to give us a soft landing to something that's around the bend? Well, we saw the same pattern with Mar-a-Lago where we had a series of leaks, some clearly coming from the Justice Department. And you had these pictures that were framed uh, or orchestrated, uh, like the pictures in that supply room, with which the FBI just gratuitously and the Department of Justice gratuitously released. Um, and so it, there's a very different response uh, here. But what's really interesting, I think, about the timeline that you just discussed is that, you know, basically it was about 16 days after the discovery of these documents that uh, Garland appointed a special counsel. Well, why did he appoint a special counsel for Trump? Because Trump had announced his candidacy for president. That's what he cited. Well, Joe Biden is the president. I mean, so it's absolutely bizarre. You just said, well, since he's announced for the presidency, I really have no choice. And you're sitting uh, at, a, at a desk where the next Great file point. over mm-hmm. is the current president being accused of that conduct. I forgot that that's one of the reason, rationales the, the attorney general used. The other thing was, if you, if you have something like this, like the president's found to have classified documents uh, in, in, in an unsecure setting, if you are attorney general, are, are you, is it mandatory or implied that you should tell people this, make the announcement that this was found out? You know, I'm willing to cut them slack okay. on the discovery of the documents before the midterm. Because that's always a very sensitive period. Making you know, announcements right before an election just creates a lot of issues like that, particularly because you don't have a handle necessarily on, on what the situation is. But it, what's troubling is that all of these leaks have come from the Department of Justice, leaks coming from other people involved. Um, those have been strategic. You know, those have been timed. You know, the fact is the Republicans are taking over the House. They're going to get access to a lot of information. And I'm not surprised that they have that this got leaked. Yeah. Uh, so does this uh, for the Trump people listening right now, does this make his uh, the likelihood of an indictment? Is it affected at all by what's going on? For example, if I got hey. hired to investigate what went on with Donald Trump, do I care what happened with Joe Biden? Should that even play a role? 
I, I think it has to in one respect. First of all, there are differences, right? It's not true is what's being said over and over again that this is apples and oranges. That's just crazy. I mean, these are apples and apples. They're just the apples are different, right? You can have two people that robbed a bank and one person also stole a car. That doesn't mean that they're apples and oranges. It means that one has an additional or more serious you know, possible offense. But the underlying offense is the same. So there is an obvious comparison here, no matter what is being said. The problem for the Department of Justice is that they routinely make decisions on whether charging someone is consistent with DOJ policy and practices. That means if you have like-situated persons, they have to be treated alike. So okay. the Department of Justice can say, look, we didn't have any false statements or obstruction with regard to Biden. So we feel that this case warrants a criminal charge. Um, the question, though, is if they did that, right. would they also charge possession? Because, gotcha. you know, and if they don't charge possession right. with Biden, it's going to be I'll, weird. I'll have to leave it there. Jonathan Turley, you're the best. Thanks so much. Back with your calls. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors often running small businesses right in your community. Plus. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Pretty astounded about what's going on right now. I mean, if you see this administration, they went from, look, we did good in the midterms, and look at the arguing that the Republicans are doing. Okay, got it. Both are true. And then all of a sudden, you think about, wait a second, the border has never been worse. So bad, you have Democratic senators going down in a bipartisan delegation. Then you have the President of the United States get ridiculed for going through a sanitized El Paso, which is overrun with homeless. They got scooped up the day before and sent back to Mexico like they should have all along. And then he goes to Mexico, and he's in the middle of what I think is a document dump of a te- classified information. Classified information that is caught in a civilian office that he once occupied that has been reportedly in that closet, we think, for about six years, knowing that he's on the record ridiculing the former president for taking any documents home. 
was found out months after. Now, I don't think Trump is uh, in the clear because of it, but I think it's neutralized since then. And then you find out about more documents. Today he's going to talk about inflation, but he's not going to talk about the interest rates. It's still at 6.9%. Sometime he'll make an announcement and try to take a bow. Um, by the way, do Russians get credit for that? The Russian, the fact that the gas prices are low, do the Russians get credit? Because I don't want to know. Uh, who gets discredit? Because somebody's got to get, uh, we know who wants to get credit, and we know who loves to blame when things go bad. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, now that uh, the system is up and running, our primary focus is to determine that root cause. And I've directed FAA to figure out uh, exactly how this happened, uh, the timeline piece by piece about uh, what was known overnight uh, going into uh, last night and then coming out of it. And most importantly, As you might imagine, a critical system like this has a lot of redundancy built into it with backups. So we need to understand why with uh, all of that redundancy, it still rose to the level uh, that there had to be a ground stop. So that was Pete Buttigieg trying to explain his way out of the biggest uh, FAA snafu in the history of the country. Outside 9-11, we did it intentionally. We grounded all planes because of a system and a backup system that was ineffective, even though we had hours leads. Everybody who was trying to fly yesterday was either had their flight canceled or delayed, and they're still delayed today. And if you tack that on to the other epic fails from transportation, uh, from the strike that had Congress have to jump in that he couldn't negotiate, from the problems at the ports to the problems in Southwest, have you ever seen a guy fail more epically where more people expected more from than Pete Buttigieg? One guy that's known him every step of the way, from when he emerged after serving in the military uh, to as mayor of South Bend, is Casey Hendrickson, 95.3 MNC radio host extraordinaire. He's got a great show. You can follow him at Casey the Host, uh, who's known Mayor Pete for a while, was able to judge him from afar, and predicted that he had national aspirations. Casey, welcome. Hey, Brian, thank you for having me on again. Appreciate it. So when we're everyone's saying Mayor Pete, this, you know, who is he and, and what does he do? Why does everyone have so high hopes for him? Tell me who's who's the Mayor Pete you know. How many times did you and I have dinner at Antonio's, Brian, where I was warning you about this guy, right? Yep. And, and you know, one of the things that he does portray himself very well, oh, the Rhodes Scholar thing, yeah, whatever, I'm who's who and American high school students for biochem twice, big deal. It's not it's it's not a big deal. This guy's policy positions are all, hey, let's undo what we did to fix old problems decades ago and just go back to what, how things were before. His one signature program here for transportation was what he calls smart streets. He basically took the one way streets and he made them two way again. He removed a bunch of, of uh, traffic lights. He put in some roundabouts. He then blocked your ability to see through the roundabout by piling up a bunch of stuff in the middle of the roundabout. He got an 11-year-old boy killed at a bus stop because he took out one of the stoplights there. He was warned that that would lead to injuries. 
and death. And, of course, that 11-year-old boy is not with us anymore because of this. And it's been a massive failure. He's increased commute times by about 13 minutes. First responders can't get to emergencies. And all he had done is basically go back to an old policy before they had changed it to one-way streets because they needed to deal with the traffic from Notre Dame games. So they had, he had actually just gone back in time and said, let's just do the thing that didn't work before when there was less people here, and let's just do that. And then his next proposal was to take the train station and move the train station into downtown South Bend. But it used to be in downtown South Bend, Brian. They took it out because it was inefficient and didn't work well, and they put it at the airport. There was a reason for that. So all of his policies are just going back in time and doing stuff and wasting taxpayer dollars and making things worse and making things less efficient. He's not as bright as people think he is. I'm not going to tell you that he's a dumb person. I'm going to tell you he's somebody who doesn't have any practical problem-solving skills and doesn't understand the big picture. So everything that he touches just ends up being a disaster. I went through a list of 10 or 12 things that the Transportation Secretary should have been doing over a year ago, Brian, when we were dealing with, with the shipping container crisis and all of that. He didn't do any of that. He was on paternity leave and didn't tell anybody. When there, the train station, uh, the, the train union strike thing was happening, where was he? He was in Portugal. And then the FAA situation happens, and where is he? Basically saying, I don't know what happened. Oh, we have backups and redundancy. Well, none of the backups and redundancy work. Is that because of his leadership? Is that because of policies under this administration to hire for diversity and quotas instead of hiring for ability? That's something that needs to be investigated. Congress needs to get in on this. Yeah, I, I think so, absolutely, and continue to say I'm working on it, putting people on it. I'm, I have the FAA has got to give me an explanation. Well, we don't have an FAA director. Why aren't you expressing outrage about that? Uh, go in there, and he's got this huge budget to play with, and now they're saying he's being targeted because re- by Republicans because he is a uh, because he is a presidential candidate eventually, or looked at as an up and coming star on the Democratic side. I don't think it has anything to do with it. He was asked about upgrading this system that got uh, brought to its knees yesterday. Here's what he said, cut 22. Yeah, this is a system that's been used for many years. It's, it's based on a standard, and, and every country uh, that manages airspace has a version that kind of ties into a, a global standard for how to get this important safety message through our aviation, uh, message traffic through our aviation system. Uh, it is periodically and continuously uh, upgraded and updated. No, it isn't. And it wasn't. Right. And he had no idea right. about that. And he was given a heads up uh, all night from two in the morning on. Yeah. And, and once again, he was absent, just like he's been absent everywhere. Look, he was put as transportation secretary because in the United States, transportation infrastructure is generally considered to be automatic. And the transportation secretary doesn't have to do all that much. The idea was to improve his profile with the American people, start to build him up as a potential future presidential candidate again. I always thought that the original goal was to get Joe Biden out of there after a couple of years, move Kamala in, move Pete in as vice president, and they would have their roster. That's not working out because Kamala is a disaster, screws up everything she touches. And Pete Buttigieg screwed up what is considered to be one of the easiest chief executive positions in federal government as transportation secretary. Since the guy's been in there, it's been one disaster after another. You can't get baby formula. You can't get cold medicine. You can't get diapers. You can't get a bunch of other stuff some of which is imported, some of which they can't get the supplies from outside of the country to manufacture here in the United States. And all of that rests squarely on Pete Buttigieg. You and I are workaholics, Brian. You and I have talked about our schedules and how hard we work. Men, when they need to get something done, when they're taking paternity leave, stay up late at night and get things done. Pete Buttigieg didn't. He went to bed while everybody else is trying to solve his problems. Right. At a time in which, listen, if you are given a job, 
and you can't do the job for the first three months, you tell the president, thanks so much. I got to turn it down. Uh, my family just adopted twins or having some physical problems, whatever it is. Uh, you can't do it because in the best interest of the country, it's supposed to be service. You don't take the job. And if you're not going to take if you're not going to do it right away, at least tell people about it. So I asked Andy Biggs this yesterday. I said, while this was happening, we're still waiting for the planes to get back in the air. Here's what he said. Cut 24. Pete Buttigieg communicated to the president that he doesn't really know anything yet. Are you surprised the secretary of transportation doesn't know anything? I, I'm not surprised. It's unpleasant that I have to say that, but I'm not surprised that he doesn't know anything because that's consistent with how he's handled any kind of question or issue that we've had in our transportation sector since he became secretary. But what's chilling about this today, Brian, is, is the fact that this is happening. It's been going on. We've known about it apparently overnight, and he has no idea what happened or how they're going to fix it and how long it's going to last. That, that is a, an enormous impact on our economy and travelers today. So uh, is that a political <laughs> hit job? Did he say anything that was politically oriented? No, no, everything was accurate there. And, and look, one of the reasons that they, they sought out Pete Buttigieg is that he was actually young, and the Democrats are a very old party right now. Uh, he ticks some of the social boxes. He's veteran. He's gay, obviously. Um, you know, he's got the, the children angle and everything else now. And those are important to the Democratic Party, and they think that it's something that they can use to win. But more importantly is that when you start criticizing the things that Pete Buttigieg does wrong, which are most things frequently, they can use those things as examples of hate or discrimination as opposed to genuine criticisms of his job. What Representative Biggs said there, Brian, is not inconsistent with Pete Buttigieg's entire history as a political candidate and as mayor of the city of South Bend. Every time you would ask him a straight question about a policy issue, he would basically tell you that he would have to look into it and get back to you, and then he would never get back to you. He did that not only with me. He did that with local uh, reporters. I was the only local reporter in the area who opposed this guy consistently from the moment that he was running for office. But beyond that, he would do that with the common council. The council and the council president would ask him questions and ask for information, and he would consistently, Brian, not have an answer. He speaks well. He's genuinely nice, and he's soft-spoken, and so people kind of conflate that with intelligence. Pete Buttigieg is not a guy who has a lot of common sense intelligence. Maybe he can, he's book smart. Maybe he, he was able to grind in school. I don't know. I've never seen this guy actually solve a problem that has materialized in his entire political career, from the local level all the way up to the national level. And even when he was running for president, when there was political scandals that rose, he failed to address every single one of those in an adequate way that, that appealed to voters. Uh, by the way, uh, he's all about equity and equality. That's the only time he's ever comfortable is talking about that. And it's just a joke. Uh, so, you know, I give him credit for going on outlets that aren't necessarily going to ask him easy questions, but he does not ever have an effective answer. And why are you taking a mayor of South Bend with no expertise in transportation and putting him there? At least if someone's in Treasury, they have to have a business background, you would hope. So there's no reason to think he could do this job. But going back to your original point, in transportation, things kind of run themselves. But he's yeah. a little unlucky, number one. And number two, he's not exactly... Uh, shaking up the world. A lot of times, if you're good, you welcome the opportunity for a crisis to show what you can do. He's failed yeah. every single time, and he's, he's emerged unscathed. Not this time. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that were happening in the city of South Bend that that you know he takes credit for, but we're really the responsibility and, and the the fruits of the labor of somebody by the name of Jeff Ray, and had nothing to do with Pete Buttigieg at all. 
but he's taking credit for a lot of that stuff. And, and frankly, Governor Pence at the time, former vice president, he, he did a lot of stuff that you know brought investment into downtown South Bend that Pete Buttigieg took credit for. But it was really Mike Pence who was responsible for that stuff. And at the end of the day, if he were trying and putting in an effort and the American people were seeing that he was trying, but he just kept running into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, we would see that. The problem is every time there's a major national crisis, Pete Buttigieg either had no idea what was happening, didn't answer the call at 2 a.m. like you talked about earlier, or was on paternity leave or in Portugal on vacation, mm-hmm. and nobody had any idea where in the world the guy was while the disaster kept getting worse and worse and worse. And lastly, he has very comfortable taking private flights. And why he's getting a pass on this, I don't get either. So uh, he's taken 129 flights. 100, uh, 111 has been commercial, but now he's flying out to New York City to do an interview on television. Are you kidding? Right. Then he takes his flight. He takes a plane to go on vacation. That is that's American dollars. And by the way, can I mention? I believe it's got some carbon footprint that he is uh, <laughs> that that he should be aware of. Is he? Do you think he's aware of that? Yeah, don't don't get me started on the Lime bike and the Lime scooter program that he had in South Bend. That was a massive environmental disaster for the St. Joseph County River. But, you know, I digress. Um, <laughs> this And here's the thing. I will give him just a little bit of leeway here. If you're taking military planes, as, as veterans listening to your show will know, you can do that more economically than taking commercial fright, flights. If the plane is already going to a location, sure. you can basically, you know, be a be a stowaway on that plane. So if he's doing that, I can give him some credit for doing that. However, he should not be flying to New York to do an in-person interview. He can do a Zoom or a Skype or whatever, like you and I do on a regular basis. This is not, this is not something that should be happening. But beyond that, you know, these elitists in D.C., Brian, they don't seem to understand optics. When there's an issue with commercial flights in the country that he has failed to be able to fix, other than saying, oh, Southwest Airlines has to give a refund yes. every couple of months when he's finally bullied into getting back on the on the air and talking about it. You can't be you know, finding an extra easy path for yourself to be able to get around the world while the rest of the country can't catch a flight. Right. And that's that's it's the optics of that. And, you know, if it's business, I understand it's business. But when you're doing just a, you know, a media interview that you could easily do from your office, Frankly, it doesn't make any sense, and it's not appealing to the American voters out there who just see a guy who's able to go around the system and, and exploit a system that they don't have access to so he can go on vacation and he can do the things that he wants to do while you're grounded and stuck in an airport all yeah, day. Yeah, for example, I heard Washington's got this thing called Amtrak, and you could hop on a plane <laughs> and you could get there quickly, get some work done, and also be a firsthand, a firsthand experience what it's like in first class, whatever it is, business class, and give an idea of what Amtrak's doing. You know, put that baseball cap on, do do your best episode of Undercover Boss. And he's a big fan of Amtrak, so it doesn't make any sense why he wouldn't want to go on Amtrak. Kind of strange, right? Yeah. Hey, Casey, who's going to be on your show today? Uh, Today, yeah, I don't know that I'm actually going to have any interviews today. Um, I might bring uh, Clifton French on from RealNewsMichiana.com. He's the other local reporter, investigative reporter, who um, has – he's one of the individuals that came in after me and was able to challenge Pete. It's really the two of us here. Um, so I might bring him on to talk about some of this stuff as well, because he's got a lot of information about his military record and his background. But um, I think that we're just going to be kind of hitting the, the main issues today, and I'll be fighting the good fight to uh, to save our gas stoves and all of that stuff. So Malone Filet. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know, all the all the normal crazy stuff that they're dealing with out there in the uh, in the world. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, this is just it's par for the course. I remember when I first got in this business and you probably remember going back like 10 years, Brian, you know, you're it was it was rare that you had to deal with an actual 
dumb story of really stupid things happening. <laughs> but it's every single day, multiple times a day now. It's... You remember when we used to be able to do regular news and actually break down issues? I mean, it was crazy, right? Right. Now we're going to bat for a gas car and a gas stove. <laughs> do you believe this? Hey, at least, at least they have tractors in the UK now that can run on cow poop. Thank goodness. The, the, the British are really, I'm so glad they left the EU. Casey Hendrickson, thanks so much. Uh, you Thank can, you, man. I yeah, appreciate you it. Listen around the country if you get them online, 95.3 MNC, uh, Indiana's finest. When we come back, I'm going to be able to take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers, hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm not a big drinker. I, I don't drink a lot. So I usually have a diet Coke because if you didn't have a long enough disco nap, you're going to fall asleep about, you know, 11.45. So I have a little bit of caffeine, diet Coke, in a glass, and I sip right that. Right there at the, the cafe, Carl. But they brought the, they brought the champagne around. They brought the nice flutes. It was like the last episode of The Bachelor. You know, they were pouring all this, all this stuff around. And I just had this diet Coke. And I said, oh, give me a shot of champagne in there for crying out loud. In the Diet Coke. In the Diet Coke. And everybody said, everybody says, You're, you are insane. I said, well, I may be insane, but I want to help. I want to celebrate the, the season. So I had a sip of this. Stephen, it was delicious. Everybody at the table tried it. And they said, ooh, you know what, Dad? That's pretty good. So, and we, we ha- have. We have a Tom Collins. We have the Tom Hanks. So, so is it good? Have you tried it? Um, I have not tried it yet because I only just heard that clip this morning. So I thought it would be inappropriate if I left the show to go buy some champagne and a Coke. But, um, I mean, will you try it? Because I'm not a big champagne guy. So if you put it with some... And I don't drink Coke. But I'm into combinations. So maybe you'll like it. You right. Order the Tom Hanks and see if any waiter knows what you mean. <laughs> that, I tell you what, he'd be smart. If it is good and he bottles it. I mean, that's something Paul Newman used to do, right? I mean, didn't Paul yeah. Newman have his own line? All the salad dressing, right? right? And then doesn't John Rich have his own whiskey? He does have his own whiskey. But he's he's pairing two brands already. So, like, does he partner with Coke and Vuv to do? Tom Hanks calls and says, I want to do this and come up with the Tom Hanks drink? That, I mean, that would be they good. It would be unbelievable. And who do you call? Corbell? Could do that. They they On Colbert, they drank uh, Vuv. You know, which is good. Is that good? It is. It's actually, as um, my friend's dad has very nice taste in wine and stuff. And he said it is the most um, delicious, inexpensive uh, champagne you can get. You know, it's, it's like 50 bucks a bottle. It's not cheap. Right. Um, but, you know, if you're going to drink Cristal, you know, this is, I guess, a good substitute. <laughs> I mean, do people actually drink champagne when they're not celebrating things? Like they enjoy I like, it? I like a glass of Prosecco. That's champagne? Yeah, I mean, it's the same. I think champagne is only champagne because it's made in France, whereas Prosecco is essentially like just the same thing, but I think in Italy or wherever else it's Eric, made. is any of that true? Because a lot of times she'll just make it up, and I won't even question it. I don't know any- anything about champagne. I'm going to have to defer to her on this one. <laughs> right, if I was really? going to make up a fact, I feel like I should yeah. be a lot juicier Right, than that. I know, but it's like <laughs> champagne is only champagne when it comes from France. I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it's just yeah, for the you region. You double check. You but just I'm, I'm 99 champagne region in France. Yes. Oh. It's a region. Champagne is a region of France. That's how, yeah, France names their wines, which is Isn't region. There a champagne, Illinois, region. too. Not for the champagne you drink. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. Douglas Murray will be here at the bottom of the hour. Make sense of what's going on in Capitol Hill. or try to as the administration tries to get on track and take a bow shortly about inflation numbers that are still way too high, just under 7%. And I guess Russia deserves the credit because they took the hit because when inflation went up, it was because of them. I assume you're going to give Vladimir Putin credit today. Uh, and then we're going to find out the other downside to, to everybody listening when it comes to your credit card and the interest rate there. Uh, then we're going to be joined by Douglas Murray. At the bottom of the hour, Mark Thiessen standing by, uh, as you know. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is a migrant hotel. This is, we don't have any guests anymore. No kidding. Felipe Rodriguez in New York City, ungrateful and costly, is the only way to describe what is happening with these illegal immigrants living in the sanctuary city, New York City, in these hotel rooms where they get free food. They're throwing the food out. They're drinking all day. They're wrecking the rooms and doing all types of crazy things in stairwells. Uh, it's absolutely sickening. And think about how much money we're spending on this. And 33,000 have flooded areas of Manhattan and the surrounding boroughs. Meanwhile, the president getting more and more heat for his sanitized, scripted visit to El Paso. Number two. Well, now that uh, the system is up and running, our primary focus is to determine that root cause. And I've directed FAA to figure out exactly how this happened, uh, the timeline piece by piece. Right. Uh, the FAA. We have no director, but I don't want to slow you down, uh, Secretary of Treasury, Pete Buttigieg. Boot him. Mediocre former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg records another to transportation fail as secretary as an entire country's air safety system gets grounded. And once again, he has no idea how it happened or if it will happen again, just like the Southwest situation, just like the train strike, just like the port problem. We'll go. We'll examine his terrible track record. Number one. There's a reason why we have classification of documents. We ought to be briefed what were in these documents that then-Vice President Biden had. I still am waiting on the briefing on the Mar-a-Lago documents. Unbelievable, Mark Warner. Democratic Senator Mark Warner. Now we all should be concerned. A second set of classified documents found in another private office of the president announced by NBC on Wednesday. Where were they found and what did they contain? How much more is out there and how does it impact the Mar-a-Lago investigation? Some of the things that were on my mind, and I've just by handed this story. This in the Daily Mail today. President Biden said he didn't even discuss migration with the Mexican president arbiter during the summit, instead focused on supply chain and fentanyl as the White House keeps bashing Republicans for making the border worse. Is this sickening? Yes. Mark Thiessen joins us now. Speechwriter for uh, for Bush, Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Mark, your reaction, first off, to this revelation that they did not bring up the border. It's not surprising. I mean, he before he went to the border because he was getting beat up for not going to the border. So he went to visit a Potemkin village that they had cleared out uh, to show him how sanitized everything is. Uh, he said, I got more important things to do. And apparently he had more important things to talk about with the Mexican president than dealing with the with the worst immigra- border crisis in, in American history. I mean, look, here's here's you know, he, he's saying he, he said when he was in Mexico, you know, the extremes on both sides are to are you know, we, we got to find a place in the middle on how to deal with it. Like, no, I'm sorry. The, the extreme is what Joe Biden has done, which is he has thrown out the sensible immigration policies of both his Republican and Democratic predecessors. I mean, everybody focuses on the fact that he reversed Trump's border policy. He's also reversed Obama's border policy. 
I mean, Obama, remember, the left used to criticize Obama as the deporter in chief, right? He deported more than three million illegal migrants. That was a record at the time. Uh, for uh, for deportations, how many uh, Joe Biden deportations of people who've been, by the way, adjudicated in the courts and found to have no right to be here, who have been got deportation orders, deportations at the lowest level on record since they since I, they kept uh, started keeping records in the 60s. He's not enforcing the law. All the all the laws that he needs to enforce the border are on the books, and we know that because Donald Trump and Barack Obama enforced the border. So, so why can't he do it? It's, it's, it's a crisis of choice, and it's a choice not to enforce the law. It's a choice not to talk to the Mexican president about it. It's, and he wiped out all the progress he might have made PR-wise by going to the border by just not mentioning it to the president while he's there. So right now there's an overhead shot of a huge tent city in El Paso full of illegal immigrants being processed. He could have went there. This is you got to look at the I don't know if you've seen it already, but we had drone shots over it. Uh, it was obviously there. But here's what his press secretary said about the El Paso that he saw. Cut 30. The shelters are full. There are overflow migrants sleeping in the streets. And then it's just a coincidence that suddenly the president shows up and. Well, let me talk about what's going on in El Paso, right? El Paso uh, did go down significantly prior to the president's visit uh, by about 70 percent. And that's a good thing, Peter. That's a good thing that we, we've seen the, the numbers go down. No, they just moved. Uh, they moved. And Eagle Pass or all his advanced team could have told you, Mr. President, if you want to see so what the situation's like, the worst, just like when you go to a hurricane. Go see the worst. You don't go to the area that wasn't hit by the hurricane, but not him. We saw a police dog go in and sniff out drugs that we could see at any police academy in the country. So last year, we had the most migrant encounters in the history of the country. Four million. Last year. Okay. And that's not counting the gotaways, right? It takes a lot of work to go down to the border and not see an illegal migrant. You could, you could, I mean, you could just stumble. If you walk down the street of El Paso, so you just trip over one. I mean, they're everywhere. And they, it, it's obvious that what they did was they did it. It's like in the Soviet Union when they would, like, you know, play, like, I said, the president of the village. They would, you know, they would do these, uh, the, the, when the leader came, they would clear out all the homeless people. They would clear out all the poor people. They would make, they paint the streets, make everything nice. That's what they did for him. Uh, it was, it, and it's just, it's just so counterproductive. These people are so self-destructive. You know, you, you, you don't go to the border for, right. two, for two years of your presidency. And so every time we, we, we ask him, when are you going to go to the border? Why won't the president go to the border? So you finally go to the border in order to not for only one reason, in order not to be able to in order to be able to answer the question. I've been to the border. Right. And you go and you don't see an illegal migrant. And then you go to Mexico and you don't ask to even raise this subject with the president of Mexico, which should be the number one issue that you're dealing with. And you just wipe out all your progress. Like, why not just go to the border and actually see the situation and say, I've seen it. I've, met, I've seen the migrants. I understand what's going on. I'm going to work with the Republicans to try and solve it. Instead, he just, you know, it's, it's right. just the, the worst president in American history. Uh, no doubt about it. But uh, we're talking to Mark Thiessen here. Mark, also in, in our city, the last thing I'll say about this, there's this thing called the New York Row Hotel. And we had one of the workers there come on last night and basically talk to the New York Post saying that the illegal immigrants are overflowing in the place. They throw out all the great food that we give them. They don't like it. They want rice and beans, I guess. I'm not sure. And then they they get drunk. They're smoking pot. They're selling it. They're having sex in stairwells. And they totally abuse their rooms that they got for free. This is already trying to uh, attempting to bankrupt our city, according to our mayor. If it'll take Democratic mayors pressuring this president to do something— uh, perhaps that, that this is a big deal. I mean, that's how bad this is. 
Well, thanks, thanks to uh, Governor Abbott and, and Governor Ducey and Governor DeSantis, they're, they're, they're doing that in New York, not just in, uh, in Eagle Pass. Um, you know, and uh, I'll tell you, though, on the other hand, Brian, I've, I've been to New York recently, and that sounds like the rest of New York City right now. Yeah. Uh, people are back, though. The prices are up, and so is crime. Uh, this, yeah. uh, it's the new capital of smash and grab. So, yeah. Mark, i got to bring you to the second tranche of documents were found. We don't know where they were found, and we don't know what they contain, but it's us, they use the word classified. Try to look at the big picture here. It was found November 2nd. Uh, CBS reports it Monday uh, or earlier. Yeah, Monday. And then we get more information Wednesday. Uh, where is this going, Mark? So, so a couple of things. Number one, uh, I had top secret code word clearance when I was at the White House. So I've handled these kinds of documents that, they, that, they're, that they're describing. You can't just mix a top secret code word document in with a bunch of private notes and take it out of the White House. So, I mean, it's just not done. That stuff is, contained, is, is so carefully controlled, kept in safe, kept in, if, you're not, if you're done with it, you put it in a burn bag, in a skiff. You can't just take that stuff out. And people haven't been talking about this. That's what they found in, in the Biden Center. They found top secret SCI, secure compartmented information. Okay, that, that's number one. Number two, the Biden Center opened on February 8, 2022. Joe Biden left the White House on January, uh, January 20th, 2017. That's an entire year before the Biden Center opened. Where were these documents kept before that? Where, 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 were, where were Great all his papers? I mean, we don't, it's not, he's saying it was in a closet in my office that was locked. Well, where was it for a year before that? These papers were, these, these classified documents were held somewhere. We need to know the chain of custody. We need to know, uh, you know, who, where, under what conditions they were held, who had access to them. And then the Biden Center, this is, you know, this is a, it has programs that are co-Swiss co-sponsored with foreign governments. Uh, they have they have foreign leaders coming through. They have foreign nationals coming through there. They have classes with students, including foreign students. I mean, how do, do did any foreign you know they made, when the, when the when the Mar-a-Lago documents were found, the New York Times did a 3D computer model of Mar-a-Lago, which you could go into to see just how close the guests at Mar-a-Lago were to the to the top secret documents in Trump's uh, in Trump's uh, storage facility. Where's the 3D model of of the Biden Center? I'd like to see it. I'm waiting for the New York Times to come up with that. Well, I'll tell you what. uh, Ed O'Keefe kind of let her have it yesterday. And we know that CBS found the story. NBC got the second phase of the story. And now all of a sudden, the Mar-a-Lago story is is really has to be reexamined. And the chances of prosecution, I imagine, reevaluated. Listen to some of this back and forth. Cut five. What I can tell you is that I'm not going to go beyond what the president laid out. Well, we're going to ask them because that's our job. And I understand, so and, and my job is to answer so your questions. So here we go. Let's go. We ask this is because on like day two of this administration, when he swore all of you in, the president said, "Quote: I'm going to make mistakes. When I make them, I'll acknowledge them, and I'll tell you, and I'll need your help to help me correct them. So you're the one here yeah, talking to us about this. That's why we're asking you. So let's just remember that." We don't need we don't need to have this. We work very well together. We do. I don't we don't need to have this kind of confrontation. See, he doesn't he doesn't like the tone of the exchange. You're usually so nice to me. She, What's going she, on? She is so bad at her job. Really I mean, is. And she's, she truly is the worst White House press secretary in the modern era of TV. Do just say, of course, it was a mistake. Anytime classified documents are found somewhere that's that's, that's not in a skiff. 
uh, and outside the, the control facility, of course, it's a mistake. Move on. I mean, it just it, this is not hard, <laughs> you know, but 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 here's the thing we got to keep in mind, OK, that what happened, what Trump, what Biden did does not obviate the fact that Trump having those documents was was a disgrace. Right. I mean, he had documents in there that were marked HCS, which means which is the code, the code, the secure compartmented code for human intelligence. Right? Just so you know, so did Biden. So- OK, I know. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is what they both did was wrong. Yep. OK. And if you and if you and if you uh, and if, and Trump says he declassified some of these these documents, if he declassified human intelligence, that's a, that's a scandal. Right. But the fact is, Hillary Clinton had had at least seven uh, code word SCI yes. content emails on her private server. She wasn't prosecuted. Joe Biden now has SCI information in a closet in the Biden Center. I assume he's not going to be prosecuted. So you can't have a double standard, right? The, 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 I don't have a double standard. I call out Trump for, for, for doing this because it was wrong. But you can't prosecute Trump for doing the same thing that Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden did and not prosecute them. Yeah, I want you to hear what Mike Turner said. He's a very smart guy from Ohio. He's with the, I think he's going to be an intelligence committee, cut eight. You certainly, in in showing the uh, president's comments in condemning President Trump for having classified documents, it shows incredible irony uh, that, in fact, he had classified documents in his private offices uh, when he was not an unelected official after he had left the vice presidency. There are a lot of questions that we need to have answered. I think one, though, it just really does underscore the, the concerns that we have of the abuse of power, of the raid on Mar Largo. The manner in which these two issues are, are handled is, um, is, that contrast is very troubling. So that contrast, he also said, where's the FBI raid? Jim Jordan said, where's the FBI raid? You found documents in one area. There's no reason to believe that's it. I need to confirm that there was actually a locked closet to where you got it from. And then where else it is? And then next, lo and behold, we get other documents, but they haven't told us. Why is the FBI not involved, even in a less sensationalistic way? I mean, you just want more of an example of why there needs to be massive oversight by Republicans, don't you think? There does need to be massive oversight, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. So, I mean, one difference between Trump and Biden is that when the Biden people found the documents, they turned them over, whereas Trump tried to hold on to them um, and resisted. Uh, so there, there, is a, there is a qualitative difference there. That doesn't mean that, that he should be prosecuted for it, but it's a different situation. But, yes, absolutely. The FBI, I mean, and, and you know, Garland has appointed a, a U.S. attorney to investigate this. So there is somebody doing an investigation. But we need to know the details of it. You know, they, they did unprecedented, you know, the, the attorney general did a press conference with the, uh, about the Mar-a-Lago raid where he updated the American people on what was found. They, they splayed out. I'm still waiting for the picture of the Biden document splayed yes. out on the carpet of the Penn Biden Center. So, you know, they they I, I'm, I'm not in the camp of saying that of defending what Trump did. Uh, but I but I am in the camp of saying that there has to be absolutely equal treatment and the president of the United States doesn't get a different treatment simply because he's the current president as opposed to the former president. Right. Which is there's other things that are troubling. Maybe it's apples and apples or apples and oranges. But one thing is well, that they, they, they've been missing. It's apples, apples. Uh, but, but apples, Granny Smith. I mean, you know, there's a whole there's a whole the, pa- yeah, the, uh, play here. We I know there, there's the real. I should know more about apples. It was my bad for not preparing for the show. I know you get you never prepare. Right. I, that's my problem. And I apologize <laughs> to the audience. But I will say the fact that they've been out for six years and what prompted him to suddenly look and disclose. Um, There's so much more we need to know. Yeah, yeah, Mark, thanks so much. Uh, Former chief presidential speechwriter, best-selling author, Washington Post columnist, Fox News guy, and very tall. Mark, thank you. (laughs) 
Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right, listen, your turn to talk next. one 866 Then the deep-thinking Douglas Murray on The Prince and so much more. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I cannot wait to talk to Douglas Murray. We're bringing him upstairs now. Uh, not only this Prince Harry story is pretty huge. Also, the fact is the president of the United States is going to come out and talk about inflation. And I believe he t- tends to miss the fact that it's still at a historic high, just under 7%. It was at nine. Got it. I'm thrilled for it. I am not cheering against the economy. I am cheering for the economy every single day. But if you see the jobs numbers, they're good, but only good in retrospective of not having good job numbers compared to Europe. Every single month, we get less and less jobs added. We are at three point something percent, which is good. But the labor participation rate is really concerning. There's too many people on the sideline right now. And think about this. If you want to get people's attention, you raise your energy cost. If the stuff they used to do, whether it's heat or air conditioning, suddenly it's almost double. That blows up your budget for paycheck to paycheck, which is so many of us. And then you add this, the credit card, which you just charge things on, maybe for the holidays. Now the average interest rate is up to 22%. That's incredible. That's the crazy thing that happens when you do overdraft at banks or you go down to the docks and you go to a loan shark. So that is going to affect the everyday consumer. So I, I, I'm, it's scary to think that he thinks his policies are working when all he's doing is put $5.8 trillion of dollars of our money into the economy, putting us at $36 trillion in debt. Yes, it was, a, it was a big problem, but so much of it is his problem. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Douglas Murray's here. We're just going over the breaking news, let alone the, the news to get perspective on. So, Douglas, it's great to see you. Great to see you, too. Uh, and, of course, uh, the last time uh, we saw Douglas on a major tour, you had your special on Fox Nation. You had the war on the West. You're a New York Post columnist, and I loved your war coverage, what you saw over the Ukraine and how hard they're fighting and the success they've had. It looks like the, I'm not want to get into this heavily now, but it like the Russians made their first gain in months, and it's led by the Wagner Group, not the Russian regular army. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I was um, on the front line in November, uh, December. Uh, I was one of the first people into the liberated town of Kherson, the city of Kherson, immediately after the Russians were, were pushed back out of it. It's a heck of a fight going on over there. They're uh, shelling it now that the Ukrainians are there, making it uninhabitable. Yeah, they were they were shelling it whilst I was there. They they retreated, but they kept shelling. They've been doing much more of it since. The the Russians have been losing very badly, and it's I mean everyone can see that. That's the main the main story of the war is that they're losing. Um, certainly in comparison to what they thought they'd get at the outset, which was to just roll all the way into Kiev. Um, that hasn't happened. Putin keeps on trying to find people to blame other than himself. Fired for, his general. Yeah, general. Uh, for, just fired a general. Uh, he's trying to find anyone to blame but himself. This is a totally avoidable war. And if it hadn't have been for this one man in the Kremlin, or actually not in the Kremlin, in a bunker somewhere, 
none of this this suffering on an unbelievable scale would ever have needed to happen. So uh, the we just got this across. The Attorney General Merrick Garland will have a press conference today. Mm. Uh, so that can mean a bunch of things. We're also waiting on the President of the United States. He's going to be making his way to the microphone, and he's going to be taking a bow because inflation dropped to six point something percent. Still outrageously high, but not nine. So it's going in the right direction. So clearly Vladimir Putin's responsible for bringing down inflation because <laughs> he was responsible for bringing it up. Am I correct? <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. Vladimir Putin is doing everything he can to bring right. down inflation. So we'll probably call quarter. him live on the air and thank uh, him. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, actually, the U.S. is doing better on inflation than a lot of comparable uh, economies, better than the European economies, better than the British economy. Um, but yes, uh, this is this is a very hot news day because I don't think that people are going to be talking about inflation today, are they? They are not. Uh, and by the way, I got to bring this to your attention. I, I saw this on a crawl, and I, I did not see this this morning doing Fox and Friends. Do you know that President Biden did not discuss migration with Mexican President uh, Lopez Obrador during the summit? Instead, they focused on supply chain and fentanyl, they claim, and climate change. You know why? Didn't have time. Didn't they did not time. have time to talk about the border, which has been breached in a level that we've never seen in our history. Yeah. How, how, how can you even discuss the fentanyl thing without talking about the migration? I have no idea. Where they think the fentanyl comes, how they think it gets in. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think we spoke on your show last week about the fact that, you know, that the border visit was likely to be uh, an absolute nothing. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. Biden didn't bother to see the actual crisis that has been going on throughout his presidency. He doesn't seem to be very interested in it. The fact that he didn't even allegedly discuss it with the prime minister of Mexico is just baffling. Like, What else is there to speak about? Uh, the climate change thing, whatever your views on it. I mean, this is the most called sort of long-term, long-picture thing imaginable. Right. The border crisis is happening hour by hour as we speak. So it's an unbelievable just dereliction of duty not to address it. And I, I, I can't imagine what was in, in his mind or the mind of the people briefing out about the meeting that they wouldn't have included that. So here is Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday from Peter Ducey on the fact that the visit was sanitized. Cut 29. Why didn't President Biden want to see what's really going on at the border? He did see exactly what's going on at the border. He didn't talk to any migrants, and he didn't go anywhere that people actually cross illegally. Why not? But he also, but he met, uh, he went to the, the Migrant Center, which was a, a critical, place, critical place to be. When you think about the partners uh, who, who are uh, our partners who are helping uh, support uh, the migrants on the ground there, uh, there happened to be no migrants at the facility at the time that he visited. You know, there's an overhead shot of the tent city right outside El Paso. Uh, you know, the soft-sided uh, things where it's overcrowded. You know, one of the really weird things about this is um, Biden shows no curiosity on this question. Um, he said after his visit, he said he made this statement, you remember, that uh, people don't just sit around at, around a table in South America and decide to just come to America and risk the thing. Uh, yes, yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, yeah, do of you have that, uh, Eric? Have you seen that? We had that pulled yesterday. Uh, but I, it, it, I was like, that's exactly uh, what's happening. And also, uh, it comes back to think, if you haven't spoken to anyone, right? well, how do you know? You're just guessing. Like, you're in Kamala Harris terrain here, where you're just, you just impute motives to people and just hope that that's the case. Actually, you know, this is the whole problem with migration, is that people don't listen to why the people are actually moving. 
In the vast majority of cases, this is the case in European migration, this is the case in migration across the West, it's definitely the case of migration to America today. Most of the people are simply coming to make right. more money than they can make in their home country. That's it. So here's another element of this. When they get here, where do they go? Well, they want to go. They sign the waivers and they come to New York City. 33,000 are here minimally. What alone the people that are going to come anyway? And they have this hotel, a famous hotel. I forgot what it originally was named, but the Row Hotel. The one off Times Square. Yeah, right off Times Square. Yeah. It's called the Row Hotel. I go there every day because I go to Penn Station. So Felipe Rodriguez works there. He hopped on with Laura last night. And it was written up in today's New York Post, where you also have a column. Cut 32. This is a migrant hotel. This is, we don't have any guests anymore. So we got people who are uh, getting drunk, using marijuana. Uh, they are punching and beating their wives or their girlfriends. Um, we have teenagers running around wild around the hotel. They're drunk, and he goes on to say they're selling drugs. They wreck their rooms and throw the food out because they don't like the food. It's great food. It's yeah. made for them for free. So that's how they get their appreciation for free room and board in the best country in the world. You know, uh, New York already has a serious homelessness problem, and Huge. all of us who live here know this. But we're actually talking with a homelessness problem only about a few thousand people. Uh, this is what Governor Hochul actually said in her State of the State address that I was at the other day. Um, you're talking about a few thousand people, homeless on the streets in New York, with, with, with problems which, if you could yeah. find the beds and you could persuade them to go to the beds, could be solved. The migrant issue is already ten times that. Huge. Ten times that. So a problem that New York was already struggling with, which isn't unsolvable, um, but it was already struggling with – they, we've decided to introduce a problem 10 times that size that, that everyone who pays tax in New York is having to pay for. I mean, that's madness. And he says we're going broke. This is what the mayor said, we're going broke. And I'm sure the mayor of Chicago says the same thing, if they were being honest, and the mayor of California, Los Angeles too. They said we need a billion dollars. They want a billion dollars. Mm. It's going to take these Democratic mayors to call up the president and say, you better seal the border. We can't handle this. I mean, it's destroying the quality of life and my political career. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point it has to be made very clear by somebody in this administration that the American taxpayer cannot be responsible for putting up in hotels everyone in South America. It's I, absolutely it. So you want to hear – you want to hear Joe Biden is squinting towards the um, – the prompter right now. I'm, just tell me if anything happens good, Allison. Uh, Eric, uh, Eric, play this. But the point is, all of us have been immigrants. And one of the things that comes across fairly clearly is it's not like people sit in their home, city, county, town, and say, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have. Give it to a coyote. Go through some jungles and a long path up to the United States. Smuggle us across the border. Drop us in a desert. Won't that be fun in a country we don't even speak the language? We have <laughs> we can do more than merely just make le legal immigration more streamlined, but we can also do it by preventing people from wanting to have to leave in the first place. By 
Mm. So we don't know his conclusions are ridiculous, but his description is accurate. And yeah. He does not understand that he described why people are coming. This is the opportunity mm. that he has given them. Yeah, I also um, uh, note that interesting thing, of course, uh, nobody in America speaks Spanish. Right. Not, yet. <laughs> not, yet. Not, not yet. Not the whole New York Mets infield. You could not make yourself understood <laughs> in America if you just spoke Can't Spanish. Can't get around. I, I could use the ATM. I feel like I have to hit English in order to get my language here. I, <laughs> it, well, it's It's... It's an amazing thing. And by the way, there's, there's this crucial fact about what Biden said in here that has to be just quickly focused on, which is this. When he says America is a nation of immigrants, we're all immigrants. He loves to tell us about his own ancestors and his Irishness and so yeah, on. He's, he's a little Puerto Rican. And, and he goes on. Uh, and it, yeah. And um, uh, he, he loves to go on about this, that the idea that America is a nation of immigrants. Sure. But America is a nation of legal immigrants. Legal immigrants. Not Illegal yes. immigrants. And the idea that, you, you know, sometimes I speak to people on the left on this and they say, well, you know, lots of people found different ways of getting to America. Sure. If you decide that you don't care about the difference between legal and illegal, what you are saying is you do not care about the law. And if yeah. you don't care about the law, there's not much else that you should bother about. It shows you are totally contemptuous of everything else in the country if you decide that the difference between legal and illegal right. is nothing. All right. So right now the president's talking about inflation, but this is the story you probably care more about. This just in. And in case you're just tuning in, the attorney general is going to have a press conference later. I imagine it has something to do with this. Lawyers for President Biden have just discovered additional documents with classified markings in a storage space in the garage of Wilmington, Delaware residents. So they went to his house, went to the garage where they're putting up a wall, by the way. They're going to put up a wall there. They can't do it on the border. But I digress. <laughs> uh, the resident, the special counsel to the president announced Thursday. Wow. The lawyers found the Obama administration records during a search completed Wednesday night of Biden's residences in both Wilmington and um, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. All but one of these documents were found in a storage space in Biden's Wilmington garage with one record found in an adjacent room. According to a special counsel, Richard Sauber, Sauber was the one who evidently led the charge to get that locked closet open to get the records out from the Biden Center in Washington, the universe pen. In the second batch of documents marked classified, they discovered in a space used by Biden used since the end of the Obama administration. The previous set found that the Biden affiliated think tech November 2nd, publicly disclosed earlier this week, triggered the broader search. I don't think we're getting the whole story by a wide margin. Nowhere near. Wood triggered it November 2nd. Right. And they just said my lease is up and we're told to get out. You send the pool boy. You send the butler. You mm. send a friend of yours to go over there. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it's, it's a very strange story so far. I don't buy it. Um, you, you and why make trouble for yourself? You can you can tell me that I would have been following your your closet story at the, at the Biden. And of all the things you're worried about getting disclosed, this is the story yeah. that you're being trans that you're trying to get out in front of. Somebody is trying to get get the president on this clearly, and at the very least, uh, uh, this story neuters one of the arguments that the Democrats have been making against Trump, of course. Because either absolutely, I think so. Either you, either like it's 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 a very gray area, and and this, this is one of Trump's arguments about the documents he had at Mar-a-Lago was it's not actually that clear that these had been declassified or what was declassified. He said you know, the Clintons had done something similar, Obama had done something similar, and so on. Either this is a genuinely gray area, and like you could sort of accuse every former president of sort of 
taking stuff that just wasn't clear because the rules aren't clear. All the rules are very clear. And Biden and the Democrats, when the raid on Mar-a-Lago happened, made it seem that the rules were exceptionally clear and that it was very obvious that Donald Trump had broken the rules. Well, I don't know what line of attack or indeed defense Biden and the Democrats are going to be able to use this time. But who's the referee, the attorney general? Because he unleashed this Hague investigator, brought him back from the yeah. Hague, he's doing it, and he, November, 8th, um, November 18th, uh, he said, listen, the president's running for pre- this guy's running for president again, so now I have to find out if he took this or not. That's what the attorney general said. Mm. So the attorney general's got this guy investigating, so it's ultimately going to be back to Garland to decide, this is my report, but now I got the Biden situation, do I make, what do I do with it? Or does the special prosecutor that was named call a press conference and say, my recommendation is we indict the former president over documents taken and left in a locker at Mar-a-Lago, which gives all types of pressure and double standard on the current president? You know, I, I, I have to say, I think one of the things that's most rotten in our public life is the whole business of special prosecutors. So the whole business of special prosecutors, and I've seen this time and again, is once you set them off, they have to find something. I know. They just have to find something. Uh, uh, there are cases in the past where special prosecutors were set onto people and end up getting them for something totally unrelated to what they were set on. Monica off to Lewinsky. Do. Monica Lewinsky. Um, uh, Scooter Libby in the right. W. Bush administration. Uh, you, you know, the, the special prosecutor position in this country is a very dodgy one, I think, politically and democratically. It's, it's not a good system, this. Gotcha. Hey, Douglas, don't move. We'll have a few more minutes. We'll ride this breaking. We, have, we were writing three breaking news stories at once. And, Douglas, you act like you've done this your entire life. You're drinking coffee. You just relax. Headset around you. Got the best possible companies. Uh, that was very nice. I think he's talking about you, Eric, and Allison. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, thank you, thank you, Mr. President, Mr. President, classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents uh, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas in file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn, this was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice. So was he, he's reading this, Douglas Murray with me. Douglas, we watched this live. He kept the Mar-a-Lago, it's no longer apples and oranges. 
Mar-a-Lago in a locker. This was in his garage. Classified documents, your reaction to the president's red explanation to Peter Ducey's question. But, you know, at, at least the garage is locked. With a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> ah. the, the, no foreign agent could possibly the break pickle. it. They don't have the key. You can't get into a locked garage. No way. No way. It's impossible. It's unheard of. The Chinese are befuddled. They don't know <laughs> how to beat the padlock. The, the, the Kremlin is scratching its head ah. trying to work out how to get into that garage. Um, this is going to be a real problem for the president. I mean, this is now two places. He says he's very careful with classified material, but clearly he's been leaving them around in a number of places. This story isn't going to go away at all. I think this is just the start of something very big. And now with the attorney general having a press conference, Douglas Murray, what do you think he's going to say? I think he's going to have to play it incredibly calm and cool. I think we're not going to learn very much from him. I think that the Attorney General is going to know how wildly political every single step is at this moment. He's got to announce a probe. Well, I would have thought so, but, you know, I mean, the the future of the next election is on this. Well, it's not supposed to matter with the the law and order guy. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Wow, uh, what a day. Uh, what is going on? Uh, so much happening in real time. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, but all eyes are transfixed on Washington, D.C where you have so many things going on. The President of the United States was desperate to talk about inflation because it came down. It's still way too high, but it's all about the documents. Uh, also, we know the Attorney General will have a, uh, Merrick Garland will have a press conference, uh, at which time he is going to be addressing, we imagine, unless something totally blindsides us, President Biden's top secret documents, the highest level of clearance that were found, now we know, not only hmm, in a closet, but in his garage Next to his Corvette. Carl Rove is coming up in a matter of moments and Bill Hammer. In fact, let's not do the big three. Let's just, uh, let's go, let's go. Okay, Carl's not ready, so let's do the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is a migrant hotel. This is, we don't have any guests anymore. Ungrateful and costly is the only way to describe and what is happening with illegal immigrants in New York City and every sanctuary city around this country. They are wrecking the place. They are drinking uh, in the stairwells. They are throwing out their free food. They are destroying their rooms. They are uh, selling drugs. All types of hell is breaking loose. When you give illegal immigrants a free hotel room, free room and board, that's the result in a New York City row hotel. I imagine it's happening everywhere, and it's costing all of us a lot of money. Number two. Well, now that uh, the system is up and running, our primary focus is to determine that root cause, and I've directed FAA to figure out exactly how this happened, uh, the timeline piece by piece. Boodham. Mediocre former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg records another transportation fail as the secretary as an entire country's air safety system was grounded. And we're still dealing with delays today. He has no idea what happened, even though he was given warning and the backup system failed, too. We will examine his terrible report card. Number one. There's a reason why we have classification of documents. We ought to be briefed 
what were in these documents that then-Vice President Biden had. I still am waiting on the briefing on the Mar-a-Lago documents. Yeah, which was by a Democratic-run Senate and a Democratic White House. Democratic Senator Mark Warner, now we all should be concerned. A second set of classified files were found in another private office of the president. Now we know it wasn't a private office. It was actually his private garage next to his classic Corvette. That just came across, and that's what we'll be discussing with Carl Rove. Carl is back. Hey, Carl, welcome. Carl, when this first story broke, we thought about what a dramatic difference. It's so similar because they revolve top-secret documents. But it's not—it's uh, no, it's dissimilar from Mar-a-Lago. Every hour that goes by, it's getting more and more similar. What is your reaction to the revelation that the latest tranche of documents, uh, classified documents, were found stored in his garage? Well, the, one of the questions, we know where the documents, uh, how the documents ended up in Mar-a-Lago. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, told people, load them in a box and send them to Mar-a-Lago. We did not know how the Penn-Biden Center documents arrived. We don't know exactly how the documents arrived in the, in the former vice president, now sitting president's garage. The Penn-Biden, you could say, well, you know, maybe some of his staffers, who, were, who moved out of the vice president's office over to Penn Biden, several of them did. Uh, maybe they brought them, or, or maybe he took them. But ending up in his garage is an entirely different issue. That, that, that suggests that the former, pre, former vice president, current president, Joe Biden, knew that he was taking government documents that he shouldn't be taken. We don't know what they contained. We know the first tranche had Ukraine documents. It had China, and it had U.K., so we'll see what this is. Any type well, of all three, go ahead. All three of those, all three of those were subjects of his memoir, particularly Ukraine, where he was in charge of the U.S. government's efforts to help the Ukrainians fight uh, corruption in their economy and their government. And so, one, the one question that the White House needs to answer is: Did the president of the United States? Uh, as the former vice president, used these documents in the preparation of his memoirs in which he addresses the issues of our relationship with Great Britain and, uh, you know, what uh, what he did in Ukraine, et cetera. So one thing you can't do is sit there in 60 minutes in this next interview, who knows if there'll ever be one, and say how irresponsible it was for Donald Trump to do it because they'll hold up a mirror and say, how do you explain your actions Number yeah. two, obviously, if this if there wasn't looking for a special investigator and a prosecutor, we could be talking about, well, who could say one of the debate stage? But we're still looking at a legal issue at one fifteen Eastern time. The attorney general is going to have a press conference from what you know right now. And I'll play a soundbite for people that don't know what the president did. Got a question from Peter Ducey is how could you store documents in your garage with your Corvette? From what you know right now, where do you think Merrick Garland's heading with this presser? Oh, this look. He's going to have to appoint. You know what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If he has a special prosecutor looking into um, the President Trump's use of uh, possession of classified documents, he's going to have to do so for the for the possession of documents by the former vice president, now sitting president. Well, you know, he, he, I'd hate to be Merrick Garland. I mean, he was bad enough that he was having to go through the issues of should he or should he not indict the former president or the people around the former president for their behavior and conduct in taking classified documents to Mar-a-Lago and then misleading the government for the better part of a year and a half as to what they had in their possession and and and, and uh, how many and what they were. But now he's got to deal with the fact that the president that appointed him as attorney general turns out to be in possession of 
uh, classified documents, maybe a handful compared to the hundreds that President Trump took. But nonetheless, you know, try and make that argument that, that one is worse than the other. And I'm glad you brought up the interview with with uh, Scott Pelley of CBS. I thought that was egregious at the time. I thought it was entirely unnecessary for President Biden to take a two by four to President Trump. The better thing for him to have said was, I'm not going to comment on that. It's a matter of an ongoing investigation. It's in the hands of the Department of Justice, and I'm going to leave it there. But instead, he had to take the cheap shot. And now that cheap shot is going to come back to wound him. Think about this, though, the mental capacity, excuse me, the decision knowing that you did what you did that was in your garage and that was in the Biden Center in the University of Pennsylvania or and would who knows was who's in Delaware where he's he's got other all of his documents when he was a senator. So, Eric, if you would, uh, can you bring us back to the moment at the end of the press conference when he uh, Peter Ducey stood up and said this about nothing to do with inflation? Obviously, listen, classified material. Next year, Corvette, what were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. It's your garage. So what about the Corvette? Along with my Corvette in the locked garage, you think China knows how to get into a locked garage? I mean, do we supposed to feel good about that? What's your reaction to his read? He read this statement. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's remember, under the Presidential Records Act, which covers all the people in the White House, not just the president, but the president, his staff and the vice president. He did not have the right to take any documents from the White House. He had the right to ask for copies of documents, but he had no right to take documents and put and, 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 and with him and walk out of the West Wing or walk out of the Naval Observatory where the residence of the vice president is. He didn't have that right. That's the problem with President Trump. He didn't have the right to load those boxes and send them to Mar-a-Lago. And Joe Biden, apparently in that in that response to, to Mr. Ducey was was acknowledging that he took documents. So he was in violation of the Presidential Records Act. Now, there are no criminal penalties under that, but there are problems if you've taken classified documents and mishandled them. And let me just tell you, I don't think it's a legitimate defense to say, well, yeah, I took classified documents, but I kept them in my locked garage. <laughs> I don't of think course that's, it's stupid. I don't think it's, incredible. It's, it's something Greg Gutfeld would put in the prompter. Are you kidding exactly. me? And, we, and we'd all laugh and think, wasn't right. that funny because it, it really is not true, but it was sort of funny. But it's true. I mean, it's just we just heard him. I, I kept it. My garage is locked. Well, my garage is locked, too. But let me tell you, I keep my shotguns in the garage, but I keep them inside a very large safe. Right. Because I know that the outer door of my garage could be jimmied. I mean, please. I mean, and not only that, but look, I don't care whether your garage is locked or not. You had no right to have those documents in your possession, period. 
So right now, Kevin McCarthy is answering this question in his first, one of his first press conferences as speaker, uh, and he's just at, we'll bring that to you in a second. So, Carl, you bet, I don't know, does anybody better but thinking about the, the big picture and the next move? Why do you think this comes out now? This, is, this stuff has been out for six years now. Uh, it's been out of, uh, out of where it belonged for six years, minimum. I don't know exactly what's in his garage, but it's been out. Why now? Why, why November well, 2nd? Did they go to the locker with lawyers? Did they go to the closet with lawyers and pull out those documents? Why did we get the second tranche announcement yesterday? Well, why did it come out that. in January? So what do you think is going on? First of all, I think as they were preparing to move uh, out of the Penn-Biden uh, center office in Washington, some staffer said, oh, my God, I saw things that had classified documents. We better call the president's lawyer. So in comes Sauber. And he takes a look at them, alerts the White House that the documents are there. But it's November just before the election, so they don't want it to come out until after the election. So they sit on it. Yes, they begin talking to the Department of Justice and so forth, but there is no public announcement of it because they do not want to do anything to detract from the momentum they had in the election. And why did all of this pop up here in the last week or two? First of all, remember, we learn about the November uh, discovery. While all the hubbub is going on about who's going to be the Speaker of the House and is Kevin McCarthy going to be able to to uh, fight his way through to victory. And then we have a release about this second one through sources to the media. While the president is on his way to El Paso and then on his way to an international conference out of the country. So, you know, and, and in the aftermath of all of the, uh, of the hubbub over the election of the Speaker, this was I, I got to give him an A plus on, on timing. Yeah, they had to make it public at some point. Why not try and bury it when most of the media is covering Kevin McCarthy and his election and while the president is on his way out of the country? Brilliant. Interesting, because I thought it was embarrassing uh, for the president. And if you want to get ahead of a scandal, I thought to be there would be good. You think it's to be away, uh, to be better. So one of the reasons why Merrick Garland— well, yeah, I, I have an opinion of that based on— the response that you just played of the president to Peter Ducey's question, that was a stupid, dumb answer. That's not one that's going to be, make us feel more confident about him and about his leadership. It's, it's the, the persistent problem the president has of not being able to answer. Uh, you know, I, I, everybody knows I'm serious about classified documents. No, we don't know that. In fact, we have evidence just to the contrary. <laughs> but the, and the fact that he has to read it. Uh, yeah. When something so personal that he can't memorize, doesn't you see the spirit of what you have to go get across? And the fact yeah. that he's reading it maybe shows how legal, uh, how much jeopardy he could be in. But you just think about this for a second, Charles, uh, uh, Carl. Carl Rove with us, obviously. Carl, November eighteenth, Garland makes his announcement about a special investigation because he said the president decided he's going to be a candidate again. So that's why it's relevant. Now all of a sudden, and it's timely. timely but no, this president's about to announce he's going to be a candidate again, along with being a sitting president. Does that make sense to you? Does that pressure the attorney general to have the same, uh, offer the same set of rules for both parties, for both guys? Yeah. Look, I look. I, I have a. My, my, I don't know Merrick Garland, but but he strikes me as somebody who is tries to be a straight arrow, and he's got to be a straight arrow in this one. And the American people are going to demand it again. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if there's a special prosecutor looking into Mar-a-Lago and, the, and President Trump's possession of classified documents, there's going to have to be a special prosecutor looking into Joe Biden and his possession of classified documents. No ifs, ands, or buts. Anything else is going to undermine the, the impartial 
and impartiality of the Department of Justice and stain Merrick Garland's uh, record as attorney general forever. I think all that is true. And then you find out uh, that these probably aren't the only two places where there's documents uh, that he shouldn't have and where and they are where they don't belong. Uh, I'm just taking a hunch. His logic tells you. My sense is, is it isn't just one closet and, and one place in a garage. He's got a couple of houses. He's got a huge a library, I understand, in, in Delaware. Uh, who knows what Hunter has? Now, you brought this up with Hemmer, I think. I was reading the closed caption about what China's given to the University of Pennsylvania and the Biden Center. Do you think that matters? Yeah, I do, because this is this is a side issue. But I was taken by the bad answer that the University of Pennsylvania gave. We know that the University of Pennsylvania between 2014 and I think it's 2019 receives fifty four million dollars. And when asked about uh, about whether or not any of that money went to the Biden Center, Penn Biden Center, they said the Penn Biden Center never solicited any funds. Well, that's a non answer. The question is, did they get money from China? And was that money from China used to support the former vice president of the United States in this uh, cushy non-job that he had? He gets paid a million dollars a year as, quote, a professor, but never teaches a class. So, uh, you know, this was a if they had come out and said no funds from China were expended on the Penn Biden Center, I'd feel better. But when they come out and say the Penn Biden Center never solicited any money from China, that's not the question. The question was, did you get money from China and use it? To pay President, Vice President Joe Biden's former Vice President Joe Biden, a million dollar a year salary while he was thinking about running for president in the next four years. Great, uh, great president. Great pickup. I, I did not see the word solicited. That was excellent. All right. Thanks so much, Carl Rove. It's great riding the breaking news with you. You bet. All the best. All right. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls. Oh, man, we're jammed. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, and I'll bring back the highlights of Kevin McCarthy's presser that's still going on right now. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We watch what is happening right now with the President of the United States. Not once, but now we're finding in two different locations classified information just out there in the open. It just goes to prove, and and we're finding out now, after being sworn in, that this was discovered before the election. Another faux pas by the Biden administration, but treating law differently based upon your political beliefs. Treats one President Trump one way, but treats President Biden a whole different way. That's why we had to provide a new entity from our church style to look after the weaponization of what's gone on, that you want to equal playing of the law to all Americans. Yeah, can you stop weaponize the government is his point. That's Kevin McCarthy moments ago. I hadn't heard that. I was on the air to get his response. And his, I think this is his first official press conference. He's taking questions about everything. Obviously, Santos, the, the Republican, who looks like a, a, just an inveterate liar on everything about his life, that, that comes up. But also it just came up as the press conference that just happened. The president of the United States had a presser at 10 o'clock this morning, which is kind of odd the more I think about it because he was going to talk about inflation. He called that press conference knowing, I imagine, that they found another tranche of classified documents in another location. We have just found out that location, his garage where he kept his Corvette. Classified documents in his garage where he kept his Corvette. Then he read a statement. And his ad lib saying, well, at least my, my Corvette was there, locked. 
and kept emphasizing that. Now this is going to get bigger and bigger. Merrick Garland, a press conference shortly. Back with you in a moment. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, we're going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in the lock garage. And he went on to read a statement very similar to the one in Mexico. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, Bill Hemmer here. If you're watching Fox Nation, you're seeing. How are you, brother? So, Bill, uh, you were Mm -hmm. just putting your headsets on, but basically it was the Peter Ducey question. Uh, Classified documents in your garage. What were you thinking? Mm -hmm. He says, well, Mike, I was with my Corvette. Uh, and then he reads a statement. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, what changed? What changed with that announcement of the second tranche? What changed with the announcement of the location of it being in his garage? Classified document. I just think we're in the very early stages of the story, Brian. I think there would be many twists to come if this story stays public. They could put a lid on it today at one fifteen if Merrick Garland announces a a special counsel. At that point, there won't be any more questions in the White House briefing room, and you're not going to get all this back and forth with reporters. Uh, it's going to go into to a lockbox, a legal lockbox for people, some time. Unless people get leaks and follow uh, leads. Maybe, perhaps. And, you know, that's always possible in Washington, D.C. I mean, look, what, 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 back up a little bit. The pen, they told us that the Penn-Biden Center documents were found on the 2nd of November, 2022, several days before the midterm elections. Why was that information held for two months? Who held it back? Why was it held back? What were they doing over that 60-day period? Why did it take until this week to go search the home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, or the home in Wilmington, Delaware? Why? Um, uh, th- these, are, these are fair questions. Why did you send a lawyer why, November 2nd? Why did the Penn-Biden Center pay you nearly a million dollars between the years 2017 and 2019? What did you do for giving your name to this think tank institution in Washington, D.C. Didn't teach one class. I, I don't know what they did. I, I, I don't know because they haven't told us, um, just like they haven't told us many other things. Uh, you've got this Mar-a-Lago raid that was covered for days, if not weeks, in Florida. And now you've got something that may not be on the same degree or the same depth in terms, close. Of, <laughs> in terms of numbers. But I guess in the end, we don't know whether or not that that could happen, as, as you say. They get, say get 300 close. classified documents have emerged from Mar-a-Lago. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if this is all, what do they say in Vegas? It's a push, right? Nobody wins. Nobody loses. Everyone's guilty. And they go their separate ways. But it's significant that we never thought we had a push. We thought we had President Trump leading with, leaving with documents, going to Mar-a-Lago, and no one's ever done that before. And now we find out that the guy was so condemning and condescending and angry on 60 Minutes. That's not, did the exact same thing. That's not a good look, and that soundbite will continue to haunt him. He's getting ready for another re-election campaign, Brian. So, so this is what brings up the whole thing, and you, you uh, do a great job of looking down the road. So why on November 2nd, what sent the lawyer over there? Who found Don't documents know. that sent the lawyer and not, uh, and not just an assistant? And then after saying that, after you get that, you call Merrick Garland and said, I got 10 pages here. Here are the three topics. Look into it. So for three months, 
Well, then it becomes public. Why? Do we, is that CBS reporter a great reporter with these inside sources, the new deep throat? Or was he handed the story because they wanted it out at this time? NBC got the second phase mm-hmm. of the story. Right. And then we got, we got the second location. We got the second location today uh, within this hour. So I guess ABC is next. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, why not? You know, I think one of the dirty, it's not a dirty secret, but one of the revelations about our industry is that reporters, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, reporters don't break stories. They just break information that someone else has brought to them. And I think in all likelihood that that's what happened in early November at the Penn Biden Center. A couple of things, if I could. We had Jonathan Turley on and Andy McCarthy on just the tail end of our program today. Uh, America's Newsroom, 9-11 Eastern Time. Tell a million people. All right. Tell, take out. I'm on at the same time, though. That's kind of. Uh, I'm sorry about that. But I do. So, I do so McCarthy says it's clear to me it has not been corralled yet. Um, and then he brought up this question about why wait for two months. Turley said they had to be repeatedly moved, moved around the papers, which would suggest they were shared with others. Remember, Trump came under all this heat because, oh, it's Mar-a-Lago. You can have a wedding reception and like strangers could walk down the hall and look at your top secret classified information that's laying around the place. Turley then said um, there was an ill-advised, you know, he was reading from that sheet of paper, not well, I would argue, but he said- You would argue, no argument he here. He said <laughs> it was an ill-advised statement to add, because I think he ad-libbed this to Peter, right? It was a locked garage with the Corvettes. So he's offering more information than his attorneys want in Turley, and that's a red flag for Turley. So I just, look, I, I don't know where, I don't, I don't know where for in the middle of this story, um, but we are in a much different place today than we were 24 hours ago. So if you if he was in front of you right now, he said, I can't wait to talk about it. One of the questions is, so you found it in the garage. You found it in an office you held. What about in Delaware? What about your other house? Where else could you have left it? What do you mean you didn't know? What did you look at it? It turns out, as Carl Rove pointed out in this show, that one of the three big topics in his book was relationship with the U.K., Iran, as well as Ukraine, obviously. And we know three days before he left office, he had to fly over to Ukraine. And we know one of the things with the Hunter Biden investigation is how the hell was he on that Burisma board? He's obviously, it was influence. We know that that was his gig. The President Obama said to him, you handle Ukraine just like you handle the border. And believe it or not, for his, to his credit, his vice president actually did his job, unlike the current one we have that doesn't seem very interested in working or anybody else. So having all this out there, so who does it benefit to get out there? Now, let me ask you this, Bill. What is about to happen over the next couple of weeks? President Biden was about to announce yeah. that he's going to be running again. Remember, correct. they're all in after vacation. They're mm-hmm. all in. But he's going to make it formal. Yeah. He's on a roll. After all, in the midterm election, hardly a bloodbath. He only lost the House, and Republicans had a heck of a time naming a speaker. Yeah, yeah. That's listen. Um, who, who'd be interested in him not running? I, I think it was September, if my memory's right. In September, you had all the stories from major news outlets, Brian. New York Times, Washington Post, Politico. What were they all saying? If you run for re-election, you're going to be 82 years old. Every one of them. Yeah. Every article was written the same way. They were trying to get him out. Yeah. And he said, hang on, we're going to go away for Thanksgiving I know and how Christmas. Old I am. And think, yeah, I got this. Um, and I, I agree with the point you made there, is that the data in America is trending better for him. Stock, the, the Dow's up like 1,400 points in this month of January. The inflation report was trending slightly lower. I mean, it's not a big change, but it's 
it shows that what the Fed's doing is, is probably working. So he's sitting back thinking, you know, hey, man, I told you guys to give me time. And now you're now you're seeing the results of the work we're putting in here. The theory applies. What you're suggesting is that someone wants to take him out. And I would think that, you know, obviously in this very polarized country we're in right now, nobody's going to route anybody. It's not going to be, I don't think we're ever going to have babies for the next 20 years. So much of America votes based on party today. I think we can say that. I'm not going to, I don't think everyone's getting routed. But in those battleground states, I would think that Biden is the best thing Republicans could have. He's not, doesn't have a lot of energy, will not be able to campaign robustly. A lot of people think the spending of $5.8 trillion is going to blow up in his face. His foreign policy leaves him vulnerable. And they have so much talent to put on the stage that you'll probably moderate one of the debates You'll see the big difference. The, the, the candidate that emerges it, without Joe Biden will be much more formidable than Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. So it's not in Republicans' interest to get this out in a non-election no, I, year. I, I, this I, is I, the most non-election month ever. I get it. I mean, listen, we are far beyond the um, word of speculation now, but that's what we're doing. So as long as that's the case, then I agree with you. It, it doesn't appear to me that a Republican would put this information out there. It, it had to come from... Inside the DNC. Right. Inside the Democratic Party, inside of um, a potential campaign that would go up and compete and arrival Joe Biden, if indeed by springtime he's still in it. Here's what Alan Dershowitz said. This is before we found out the Corvette and the garage. Cut 14. The one thing that's absolutely certain is that Merrick Garland will not and should not prosecute Donald Trump because— to do so would have to pass what I call a Clinton, Berger, and now Biden standard. You have to show that what Trump did was so much worse that a different result is permissible. They should have disclosed this on November 2nd. And if they didn't then, they certainly shouldn't have waited two months. I saw that last night with Dershowitz. And his big point is that you need a law that defines... What the punishment is or Absolutely. what classified material is uh, for ex-presidents. All right. You know, you got Hillary Clinton leaves office. You got Joe Biden in office. You got Donald Trump who leaves office. I, I don't know. Should we go back to like Nixon and LBJ? Who knew what? Boxes they took off the California or Texas when they left. Oh, absolutely. I mean, why not? I mean, Jimmy Carter, the Obamas. What do you think there? Evidently, he's got a ton of classified material there, but he signed it out. So, by the way, what are the National Archives? Are they that busy to not be able to get themselves to the White House before the president leaves? I don't know. I mean, go um, there, show up there with a few FBI agents, go through it and avoid this. For now on, I don't think this is going to be a problem. I don't. I, I can't picture any mm-hmm. transition. We're going to be so focused on it. What are they taking? They better not. And does anybody want the Mar-a-Lago headache? With all that President Trump's got to deal with right now, no. the January 6th thing? Do you really think he says, so let me take the documents, even if it means I'm going to be sued? And in retrospect, the way he handled it, it's ridiculous. You know he doesn't like to read stuff. Mm. So why is he holding on to documents? Well, have, have you ever been to one of his golf clubs? I think I was. It was clean. The, there are pictures of Trump everywhere. Did you want trophies? From Sports Illustrated, yeah. from WWE, from, yeah. from everything. The he pictures of him everywhere. But he doesn't want to classify. He didn't uh, want his classified boy, briefing. It probably had his name on it, and he said, you know, this this is mine. 
You know, I, you've never worked for the government, neither have I. But if you sign up for the government, they tell you what 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 you're in possession of is property of the U.S. government and not yours. Right. And even like Dana will tell me, even if you're a low level official and they catch you with classified information, you lose your job, you lose your career, and you're out of a gig in Washington D.C. So the other those, big, the, those are the rules. Right. But, but we'll see if they apply to everybody. Well, uh, that's why today, are you? Did they ask you to stick around? Are you hosting something? Uh, I got to do the noon. You got to do the noon. Mm. So you're really wow. He's got to leave early. Oh, you're 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 uh, outnumbered. How many days you are outnumbered? Is there a Too rule many. on that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does he break? Can you look that up, Allison? Because if he's breaking the man rule, you're breaking the man rule. Uh-huh. The man rule and outnumbered. Um. <laughs> so this is like you're I, trying a few lines out on with me. I feel like I'm in the. No, I feel I like I'm in the green you, room before this. I told you I would come and be with you today. <laughs> All right. That, I, you know, I'm usually the last segment is the fun segment. Right. So I'm actually, I'm actually missing out on the humor aspect of you and what's on your mind today. All right, so a couple of things. Because there's only one thing on my mind, Which and is? that is the Bengals have to win on Sunday night. So well, do, do you, What's on your mind? Okay, uh, Pete judge. When are we going to start talking about the report card? Um, I mean, my goodness. Which one? Supply chain? How does he do on the docks? Yeah. And number two is, how's he doing with Southwest and getting everybody ready for the holidays? Yeah. Number three, <laughs> that train strike. We had, to have, we had to have legislators come in because he couldn't solve it. How many vacations he had at critical times? Uh-huh. And then you find out that he was alerted the night before they were having problems with his key uh, safety system. The backup didn't work. And we all yeah. grounded for the first time in 20 so years. So you were just asking me about a campaign. Is he running? Not on this track record. No. I Listen, the fact that he doesn't know anything, mm-hmm. if I'm the president of the United States, I consider firing him. Wow. Peter Ducey asked the press secretary yesterday if he has confidence in Pete Buttigieg, and she answered it with one word. Yes. And then she this said, morning why? And then seven... Peter said, why? <laughs> yeah, that was a good follow. Appropriate so. Uh, Ron Klain at 7 a.m. this morning tweeted um, in support of Pete Buttigieg. Right. For those who suggest, in paraphrasing, that he be fired, he said, this is ridiculous. Stop it. Okay. Is that the type of track record you want if somebody wants to get the wind at his back to run for president Don't eventually? Think so. Right. I, I had on, uh, we went over his record as mayor uh-huh. and with somebody from South Bend, uh, uh, Casey, uh, uh, Casey Henderson, uh-huh. uh, who was with him. He's at South Bend, does the radio there. He, he couldn't even get roundabouts right. He couldn't put a train station in the right place. He couldn't execute anything. A 10-year-old died because of something he did with traffic. He would have press conferences where they all get out of control because people are yelling at him so much. He is a mayor with a, great, with a great intellect, a fantastic resume, a Rhodes Scholar, but without any success. Well, yeah, I think you were talking the other day about street lighting in South Bend. Was that you? I don't think so. It must sound like was, an exciting it was, conversation. It was something about how they rewired the streets in South Bend. It had something to do with that. Yeah, While uh, he was mayor, and that was considered a big accomplishment. Right. <laughs> Look, I love South Bend, and I love Notre Dame, okay? But <laughs> South, Understood. South Bend ain't New York City. Exactly. And what I just see this is, Bill, is this. I'll give you an example. Look at Bill Malusian. Bill Malusian's a local guy in El Paso, so good. He gets to Los Angeles. He's just killing it. He fills in a few times. Next thing you know, Tucker, Hannity, and Greta have him on. He has an opportunity. He just shines. And at 31 years old, he's here. And I've challenged any guy's got more talent and has had more success than I'll ever have in a lot, 20 lifetimes. Why? He had an opportunity. Uh huh. And he just fulfilled it. He, he rose he, to the occasion. He had the contacts. He had the story, and he stayed there. For and every two years. every day, he just investigate relentlessly. He had an opportunity. Pete Buttigieg could be that same wonder kid, yeah. and I would say that he's dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. 
being very kind. I'm doing it for you because of you. Mm-hmm. Bill Hemmer will be the man on Outnumbered. Thank you, brother. Uh, but I'll be back with you because Bill won't be. <laughs> I'll take some calls. Brian, kill me, too. Thank you. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. More to know. Sponsored by Unplugged. Reclaim your privacy from big tech snooping with Unplugged. Visit Unplugged.com. So now there's a whole thing about whether Gwen Stefani has really stepped over the line by saying, I am Japanese. No problem for Gwen Stefani to come out tomorrow and say, I'm a man. I'm a man. I, I, she could say it. No problem. But I am Japanese has caused the people at Allure to tisk tisk her with all these experts weighing in saying she's culturally appropriated again and they're angry. So Megan Kelly and uh, just commenting on Gwen Stefani, bo- both are trending on Twitter. What is wrong with Gwen Stefani, of no doubt the singer who married a very important man, as you know. Blake uh, Shelton. Uh, Blake Shelton. Stefani shared a story of her Italian American father working in, in in between both California and Japan when he was a child when she was a child. That was my Japanese influence, and there was a culture there. It was so rich in tradition, yet futuristic, so so much attention to art and detail and discipline. It was fascinating to me. I said, my God, I'm Japanese. I didn't know it. I am, you know? And then everyone went crazy. Um, unbelievable. What's the big deal? No one ever talks about Japan anymore. Well, that's true. Actually, we could talk about them militarily in another segment. But um, it's, it's like an honor. She's complimenting them. She loves the culture. It's nothing offensive. It's a compliment. It's just like a young writer who wants to be overly woke and freaking out. And I think Megan's comment's great. It's okay to just say whatever gender you want to be, but, or if you want to be an animal for that matter. Right. But you can't say, you know, pay a compliment to another culture. Stefani also reportedly said she was a little bit of an Orange County girl, a little bit of a Japanese girl, a little bit of an English girl. What is the big deal? Next, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has banned Latinx from Arkansas, all Arkansas documents. Hard to believe this is one of the first days, but uh, I don't think there was much pushback. Uh, Latinx people don't want to be Latinx. What is Latinx? It, it, Latinx, again, it's like the overly woke who are freaking out because, you know, Spanish is like with the O or the A, and it's gender identifying. So Latinx, you don't know what gender they are. Some quick news. Ben Affleck is working in a Dunkin' Donuts drive through in Massachusetts. There's some pictures of him out there. He says he loves Dunkin' Donuts. New York City does not have the worst traffic in the world. Do you know what's having it worse? Where? Uh, Boston, Chicago, and Paris. Isn't London number one? Oh, yeah, London's number one. <laughs> Brian Kilmeade. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.